You're listening to AACTE Presents, the University Principal Preparation Initiative, a podcast designed to inspire learning opportunities and educational partnerships to create highly trained and qualified principals who will influence and shape their learning communities. Brought to you by the Wallace Foundation. By now, we've covered a lot of ground to establish why principal prep programs are so important to the success of a candidate and their school, as well as some of the breakdowns within prep programs as a result of lack of collaboration with districts and universities. In this episode, we have the privilege of speaking with both a former superintendent as well as university partner to learn more about how this partnership can ensure leaders are equipped with the right skills and how equity plays such an important role in the role of the principal and how they're trained. My name is Francisco Escobedo, and presently I'm the executive director of NCUS, and NCUS stands for the National Center of Urban School Transformation. Actually been in this position a little bit over a month, and before then I was a superintendent for one of the largest elementary school districts in the state of California. Been there for over a decade. Francisco was superintendent of Chula Vista at the time the district got involved with UPPI. They already had a great relationship established with San Diego State, as well as the Wallace Foundation, and worked to develop a pipeline of professional development to ensure a standardization and consistency in the principal role. In every district, you'll probably find, you know, a few schools are doing great, some schools that are not, some in the middle, so you see a a huge spectrum. This UPPI effort uh, through San Diego State and, and the Wallace Foundation really helped us craft a system that was ingrained and systematized from new principles that were coming into the job to those in the middle and those that that were tenured as well. So it has been very sustainable and has created an excellent amount of collaboration, communication, sharing of ideas, between schools. And so I, I think the collaboration and, and, and the spreading of best practices was a great outcome. From Francisco's perspective as a superintendent, the UPPI program proved to be beneficial in many ways. But we were curious to hear from the university side as well. We spoke with Doug Fisher, professor and chair of Department of Educational Leadership at San Diego State, who also served as the UPPI project director to get his perspective. When San Diego State first learned about the initiative, they were excited and jumped at the opportunity to apply. When they were accepted, the collaborative process amongst their team began. We felt like we had enough stability, enough areas that that we had currently done work in, and then areas that we needed work. And we were very honest. You know, we have a good program that has the potential to be great. And we have long-term partnerships with our districts and cohorts of students with different districts. But we hadn't customized them to the district. We hadn't aligned them to what the districts were looking for. We aligned them with the state standards for educational leaders. And we thought this was an opportunity to go deeper in partnership with our districts and say, if you're hiring our graduates, which you by and large do, what customization, what experiences do they need to have? How can they hit the ground running on the first day and be prepared for that role that they will be assuming? And so that was an opportunity to have a different dialogue and create, still addressing the learning intentions or objectives for the courses, still aligned to the state standards, but determining 
what a San Diego Unified needs versus a Sweetwater, Chula Vista, et cetera. A big change was in how do we organize experiences within schools that are consequential, that are life-changing, and that allow actual authentic practice of what it might be like to be a school leader. Throughout the participation in UPPI, conversations open up between districts and universities that may have never been had otherwise. Conversations that are essential to ensuring districts get leaders that they feel have the skills required to fill the principal role well, and that universities are preparing them to fulfill the role's requirements. This begs the question, what are school superintendents looking for in candidates that they hire into their districts? Francisco elaborates on this. Obviously, you would have to have a experience or the ability as a new administrator to be an excellent teacher, but also teacher leader, someone that was able to promote change. We wanted our prospective administrator to have that understanding of the change process, that change doesn't come through one person, but the ability to persuade, the ability to harness thinking within your group, right? The ability to create synergy among the staff, the ability to connect with parents and students as well. So that that what I called social-emotional intelligence was part of the disposition that we purposely look for. In addition to these social-emotional skills were things like budget building and things related to special education, being in difficult IEP meetings, and how to handle discipline with students in the special education program. To help train in some of these areas, Francisco shares they would bring in exemplars to help address some of these areas with candidates in their training, as well as invite the district on multiple occasions to look at the scope and sequence of their curriculum and advise areas to emphasize, add, or remove. When this collaboration began, bridges began to be built. Well, I think I think it's really important to let go of silos and let go of egos. And and I think, and I hear from former colleagues to say, hey, you know, universities are out of touch, right? And you have to be able to build a bridge between the university and district. And because there's so much, oh my goodness, so much synergy possible. Both the district and the university can co-create a program that can be beneficial for both organizations. In addition to the social-emotional disposition Francisco mentioned earlier as being a major disposition for the principal role, is the disposition of equity that is essential for principals to have and be trained in. The belief that every child is an individual of great worth has been not just words, but practice. And how we look and consume data and approach kids by their strengths and assets has always been very important. I'll give you an example. How you view English learners, sometimes English learners, students with a second language. And the first thing that may come to mind is that child doesn't have 
a good dominance in the area of English and that they're maybe one or two years behind. But that's it. There's no context on background and so forth. So what we did, we created a data matrix that tried to, through data, understand the child from different points. So for example, we were able to find out if the child is English learner, is a child gay, is a child military connected, is a child homeless, is a child in poverty. If you don't have that ability to look at, at a child with many data points, people tend to treat them all the same. And I, I think really the, the focus point on equity is to really know the child, to know their assets and their challenges as well. From a university level, this was a major part of the redesign process that was filtered into every course, every seminar, and every field experience. We had to go through every one of them and say, how does equity live in this course? How do we bring forth these conversations and challenge people? Some are around collaboration. Some are around your understanding of equity and race reckoning. And so we have these dispositions with indicators and we're very public about it now. That's a result of us saying, if we want to develop equity-driven leaders, it's knowledge, skills, and dispositions. And we were quite frankly, light on the dispositions. And so we, we require that candidates go through their school level data, they identify gaps, and then they look to root causes and contributing factors for those gaps that they identify. And we spent a lot of time talking about the difference between, quote, the achievement gap and an equity initiative. And I think too often it gets reduced to, okay, there's an achievement gap. And the achievement gap is probably influenced by the belief gap. Do we believe kids can learn? And do students internalize the beliefs of the adults in the school system? So we have to interrupt that. And we have to talk about our privileges. And we have to talk about how we create experiences for learners and opportunities to learn. What Doug is saying focuses on systems thinking, thinking holistically about the experience for the candidate as a whole, for them to not only be in line with these dispositions, but to also integrate them in every aspect of their program. One crucial component in the equity disposition piece is for districts and universities to be aligned on what they mean by equity. Doug shares how, in their case, they came to define equity and the implications of that definition. We brought our senior district leaders together to define what we meant by equity. And most school systems, so we ended up with about 18 school systems, senior leaders, negotiating what we mean by equity. And so we developed a statement on equity. We presented it. And then each of the districts, and especially the three that are in partnership on the Wallace Project, but all of them did an inventory. So where were they against the definition of equity that we agreed to? in San Diego. That was the early work because a lot of equity statements are vision statements. They don't cause action. And so we had to negotiate all of this terminology so that we can then say, if this is our definition of equity across all these school systems, how do we plan experiences for people that allow them to get to that? We had to bring in some outside facilitators to push our thinking. And we had a lot of conversations about how do we know that we're seeing it? How do we know if our, if our statement is strong enough, we will know 
that we're making progress and we will know that we're seeing it. So it took a long time of negotiations and there were some deep philosophical conversation about our beliefs and about recognizing the history of oppression and racism and discrimination and bias. And then each of the partners did their internal equity audit and they analyzed where they were against inequity. And then we came back together and we shared, districts shared their internal audits. That's a level of trust, a level of respect that we're airing some of our dirty laundry. One piece of the equity conversation revolved around job descriptions of school leaders. Through this process, they realized they were by and large absent in the larger equity conversation and were not being monitored. What you require from a principal should be required, uh, should be monitored in an evaluation. And then there should be coherence in my evaluation. How I am evaluated as a superintendent should have some some verbiage in the area of equity as well. So there has to be, it's, so we, we can't just look at the principle in isolation. It's not enough to change a job description, just say, okay, you know, it's written so it will be done. No, we work with humans, right? Yeah, it's written, but if it's not monitored, it's optional. As a result of all of these findings, the district began to work through their processes to update job descriptions and evaluations to better align with their values. And on the university side, they had some hard questions to grapple with. On the university side, we had to start saying, what are the experiences that we want candidates to have? Who are the people who can guide those experiences? Who is it that we're hiring for our courses? Who is supervising field experiences? And can they guide those experiences? What professional learning do existing faculty need to have? What learning do we want to highlight? Who do we want to recruit to work in our programs, field work and, and methods courses? And so it wasn't just, you know, other, the districts need to improve. It's all of us. In closing, as we consider all that we've heard from Doug as a university prep program leader and from Francisco as a former superintendent, Francisco leaves a word of advice for those listening who find themselves considering redesign efforts similar to a UPPI program within their districts and universities. You can take out an excellent teacher from the school and you'll see that there'll be an effect, but when you take out an excellent principal and a poor one comes in, the effect is is glaring. So for me, as my advice is put as much energy as you can and in making sure you have the right leader in place because leader matters immensely. So whatever resources you you can have, get the best leader. The best leader will bring what I call the you know A players and A players uplifts the whole organization. They will attract great teachers. They will improve teachers who may be mediocre. I mean, I can tell you from not only experience, but looking at research that that is a leverage to improve any system is making sure that you hire great leaders and you develop them and support them through their hopefully many years as a principal. 
Thanks for joining us for this series on the University Principal Preparation Initiative. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who cares deeply about the future of education. So if you're interested in learning more about the work that the Wallace Foundation is doing to improve school leadership, you can visit our website at www.wallacefoundation.org and click on the Knowledge Center tab, where you'll find more resources about school leadership. We hope you'll join us again next time.